Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. That was beautiful. Our God is holy. He is holy. He's been blessing us too, hasn't he? What a great day we had yesterday. It started a little cool, but man, did it warm up and just turned out to be a gorgeous day. God is uh, blessing us with his uh, beautiful, you know, beautiful, finally, too, in Michigan. Thank you, Jesus. We can get out and do some things. Uh, welcome to all of you. I hope you are uh, taking time to enjoy some of the great uh, weather God has been giving us. I want to uh, make, uh, just make note of one minor change in our bulletin, and it has to do a little bit with uh, a great day, and hopefully we'll get wonderful weather, and that's next Monday. You'll see in your bulletin, it says that uh, the church softball league opens, and you can come out at 6.30. Come out at 6, because the game starts at 6.15. So come out at 6, and we'll look forward to it. It's going to be fun. Last year, I met a young lady at, uh, we had an event over in our auditorium. It was uh, many churches from around the region were coming together for a meeting that uh, young folks were having because there was going to be an activity over at Jimmy John's Field. So I met this young lady and she said, you know, my church has a team on the softball league that plays here on the grounds at Bethesda and we have the best fans. I said, oh, really? I said, well, I'm going to come out. And I'm going to check that out. So I did go to a couple games last year. Yes. Yeah. And I saw that young lady. I went when her church was there playing. And the whole stands were filled. And her pastor was there, too. I met him. And we had a, a good time. Uh, so I want to say, hey, we have a Bethesda softball team. It's a co-ed team, too. There's some fabulous players. Come on out and root for the team. It's going to be a wonderful kickoff night, but you can come throughout the season. Pastor Julie's going to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. I mean, you got to just see that, right? Brother Barry is going to be the catcher, and I will be, uh, I'm going to bring out a grill, and I'm going to grill up some hot dogs and such. So come on out. Come on out and take, you know, root for the home team. That's next Sunday. Be there at 6. It'll be wonderful. It'll be, it'll be fun. Because what, what are you going to do at home? Are you going to watch TV or something? For crying out loud, what's on TV? They're canceling shows left and right. I mean, you all know, like Roseanne Barr, she got, she got wiped out, right? One bad comment, and look what happens. And it was a, it was a terrible, terrible comment. Really, I mean, seriously, that is... Uh, you know, disparaging comments against a, a group of people, that's terrible. Prejudice. And it, it's awful that we, uh, we live at a time where people are still, uh, they're, they're still uh, grouped by, you know, the way they look, the way they sound, whatever. That's messed up. And uh, she learned a hard lesson. Yeah, stop that. Just stop it. But you know, the only way really to stop it is people have got to, they have to come to a turning point in their life, don't they? And they have to put those things, they have to put that hate because that's what's at the root of those kinds of things. 
It really is hate. They have to put that behind them and learn. You know, they are loved by Jesus. I, I really liked that video we had at the beginning. It said, there are people here that just love Jesus. We love Jesus because he loved us and he loves us. And when you figure that out, when that light comes on, it can change your attitude toward everybody else. And that's a big part of the gospel of Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. And we're going to be in the book of Acts. Now, I've been mentioning it every week since the beginning of the year, but if you're visiting with us and you see on our bulletin the back, we have a little reading schedule because we've been reading through the entire Bible together as a church since the beginning of the year, since January. This week, we have completed 2 Samuel. We started 1 Kings. We're making our way through 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament and also started the book of Proverbs, great wisdom in the Proverbs. Believe it or not, we're on week number 22, or we completed week number 22. Tomorrow starts week 23. We're almost halfway done. And in the New Testament now, we've been two weeks in the book of Acts. So we've made through uh, 10 chapters. And this morning, that's where I want to focus is in the book of Acts and touch on this idea of a, a turning point or coming to a turning point when it, uh, when it has to do with these ideas of prejudice and how, that, how that, those can be wiped away. Have you ever received a word from the Lord? Have you ever... Uh, felt God impressing something on you, and it's been so, so real, so authentic, so alive and full of life. You felt the Holy Spirit was, uh, you know, just touching uh, your very heart that you had to share that. You had to share that. It's because you've. You've had this experience with the Lord. It's real. So what do you do? You go teach it. You repeat it. You tell others about it. And in Acts chapter 2, this is what occurred. There was such uh, an, an, an experience with the apostle Peter uh, that he couldn't, he couldn't help but speak. So... I want to recount a little bit from Acts chapter 2. You've already read it. That was a week uh, and a half ago. This is a day called Pentecost, right? That's a Jewish festival, a Jewish holiday. And there was 120 people or so. They were in an upper room. Jesus Christ has resurrected. He's ascended to heaven. He said, go wait, go wait. I've got a good gift for you. And suddenly, what occurred? Suddenly they heard what sounded like rushing wind, a big loud noise, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit had arrived and these people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in languages that they had not been taught. As the Holy Spirit enabled them and empowered them, the city of Jerusalem heard this sound. You read Acts 2, it says they heard the sound, whether that's the sound of the Spirit blowing in, coupled with all of these voices, they heard it. And it, the word says a multitude gathered. So this is not just a small group. The city was stirred. The big crowd gathered. And Peter is the 
the one who stood up to address them because they had all these questions. What's going on? Why are all these people speaking in these different languages? Peter, uh, Peter stands up to address the crowd and their questions. He's being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to speak what the Spirit impressed upon him. And he's going to preach it. He's going to teach it. He's going to repeat it. He is going to deliver this powerful message to his Jewish brothers and sisters who are there in the city. And he said, what you see here is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this is Peter in Acts chapter 2. I just want to rehearse a little bit of it. Verses 17 to 21. Peter preaching. And he's quoting the, he's quoting the uh, Old Testament prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Peter said, this is the Holy Spirit you see in action today. This is the promise of the risen Jesus Christ. This is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And he's arrived in fulfillment of what Jesus said was going to occur and what the Old Testament prophet Joel had prophesied. Peter stressed this. He repeated it. The Spirit will be poured out on all people, the young and the old, men and women, and everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So is there a barrier there? I don't read a barrier. No barrier is mentioned whatsoever. There is no bar of achievement that must be Someone must hit before they can come to, to Christ. There's no credential that they need to carry. You don't need certain letters after your name in order to be received by Jesus Christ. Peter says this is for all people. This is a reiteration throughout his message. Men, women, old, young, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And yet it seems Peter, who's preaching this boldly, he's received this word from the Lord. It's powerful within him. He doesn't quite believe it all. He hasn't fully grasped what he, even he is preaching. He needs to preach to himself a little bit. So keep this in mind. Keep this in mind as I unfold another event in Peter's life which was well after this day. So there was this day of Pentecost. He's preaching this. Everyone uh, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel of Christ now has been taking root. It's been years. Thousands of Jews in Jerusalem have turned to Christ. The church was growing and uh, it was expanding. Then, and, and if you read through Acts 10, you know then that Stephen was martyred. Stephen was called to be a deacon of the church and then he was martyred. He was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 8 opens with these words. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. So people are being, um, they're, they're being persecuted. But not only in Jerusalem, it went on and said, um, 
that the uh, apostles were scattered then throughout Judea and Samaria. They had, to, they had to move about because of this persecution. And all of them were scattered except the apostles. They, it seems, stayed in Jerusalem. So that was about three years. Three years. And uh, the conversion of uh, the apostle Paul has already taken place. Saul of Tarsus was the one who started this persecution. Three years after that, it says in Acts 9, that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. So there have been quite some experiences here. The church began on this day of Pentecost. It started to grow and expand rapidly. They have to start putting people in place, the deacons. Stephen gets martyred. Saul of Tarsus is part of that. Yet he gets converted, comes to Christ. He takes about three years or so to learn of him. He comes to Jerusalem, and then that's in Acts 9 where it says, now peace. They begin to feel some peace. <sighs> the persecution is slowing down. Well, then Peter begins to travel. And we read this at the end of Acts 9. And he goes to a town called Alida, and then he goes to a town called Joppa. He's called to Joppa because there is a sick girl who dies, Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on Roman, Greek. And Peter goes there and he prays. And this woman's brought back to life. And he stays there in Joppa for a while at a place called uh, Simon the Tanners. And while he's there, said he's praying on the roof of Simon's house one day, he has a vision. He's confused. He has this vision. It confuses him. He's thinking about the vision. And now the Holy Spirit speaks to him, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Peter, there are some men looking for you. You need to go with them. Peter's obedient. There, indeed, men show up at his house. And they say, we need to take you to Cornelius' house. Who's Cornelius? Cornelius gets introduced here at the end of Acts 9, beginning of Acts 10. I want to just give you a little bit of insight into who this guy is. He's a new character, and this is Acts 10. I want to read the first eight verses. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion in what is known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Okay, so we see Peter had been praying. Cornelius is praying. After Peter prayed, the Holy Spirit told him, Men are coming to your house, and you should go with them. So when Cornelius' men arrived, Peter's obedient. He went with them. 
back to the house of Cornelius. The Holy Spirit's working out something here. He's talking to two men. He's lining something up. Cornelius is in this town of Caesarea. It's a Roman city. It was built by King Herod, Herod the Great, and it was to honor Augustus Caesar. Some people uh, call it Caesarea because it is named after Caesar. It's about 30 miles from Joppa, so not a long, not a long distance. In the first century there, at the, at, at the time of these uh, two men were talking about Caesarea, it was the seat of the Roman uh, governors and procurators of the pro- province of Judah. So uh, this is where Pontius Pilate was headquartered. And it was also the headquarters of the 10th Roman Legion. So it's like about 5,000 soldiers in this city. And Cornelius is one of them. But he's not just, he's not just a, a private in the infantry. He's a centurion, it says. A centurion. He's a, he has got some authority. A centurion was in charge of a hundred. Centurion like sentry, a, a hundred. So Cornelius was a man in charge of others. He it seems he was active duty. He had men under him. And w- what does all this mean? He's a Roman. He's in the army. He's got some kind of rank as an officer. He commanded men. As a matter of fact, one of his men he sent over to Peter's. He's in the land that his government is occupying. This is not, you know, Roman mainland. This is an area they conquered. He is there as an occupier, and he's converted to the religion of the land, which is really interesting. That probably was pretty hard for him. He's gone to a foreign country. He's taken on the Jewish religion. It says he was a God-fearing commander. It's, it's interesting, this, this man would convert. He was an occupier who had taken the faith of the Jews, the people that he was in charge of, of subduing. Yet he's a man of prayer. We read he's a man of prayer, devout, God-fearing. It says his family is too. He's pouring his heart out to God. He's determined to seek God. He's praying. He receives a vision. It tells him what to do. And he sends two men plus a soldier. It says the soldier's devout. Who is the soldier devout to? Cornelius? I don't think so. We read that word devout, it talks about Cornelius being devout to God, and then it says he calls a soldier who was devout. I think it means he was devout to the Lord too, that Cornelius's testimony had been something that had moved throughout maybe the ranks of his men. He wasn't afraid to talk about the Lord. It seems that he uh, may have been someone who was willing to testify. His family's devout. Now, he's sending a man who is devout. And his devotion has brought Cornelius too to his knees. He was praying. He was praying in the afternoon. And I, I'm guessing that was his custom. It tells us the time, the hour. It was three in the afternoon. Why is that detail there? I believe it was because it was Cornelius' custom to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. And he had this vision. Go to get Simon Peter. I wonder what was his prayer? What do you think he was praying We don't have a record of his prayer. And it leaves it open to our interpretation. We find reading in Acts 10 that Peter too was praying. He heard from the Holy Spirit. So here he is now on his way to Caesarea. And when he gets there, Cornelius has gathered his entire household and his friends to receive Peter 
because he knows Peter has something to say. He's not just going to receive him as an individual. He wants whatever Peter has for all of his friends and his family. And Peter began to speak about Jesus and something entirely unexpected and entirely wonderful occurred. This is Acts chapter 10, and it's verses 43 to 45. Peter, Peter's just preaching to Cornelius and this group of people, and he gets to this point in his, in his little message. He said, all the prophets testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Note everyone. Now, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Amazing. It's a group of people just listening to someone preach. And Peter gets to this line that says, everyone who believes in his name receives forgiveness of sin. Wow, the Holy Spirit pours out upon them. I don't think that was just an indiscriminate act of the spirit of the living God. It says to me that their hearts were tender and genuine and they're receiving what this apostle is uh, telling them. And this gives us some insight into what Cornelius was praying. What could he have been praying? Could he have been praying, Lord, I desire more. I, I need more of you. I don't understand everything about you. Lord, will you reveal more to me and my family and those who have come to, to see the living God? Are they truly saved, God? Help me. I need you. Is there more? I believe he was seeking. I believe that Cornelius was seeking. God's word tells us when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. It says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I think that's where his heart was. And it wasn't just for himself, but for others, his household, his friends. And that should be an example to all of us because hearts have changed and homes have been transformed because a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, maybe even a boarder, somebody just living there was praying, praying for that family or that house and entire households are changed, neighborhoods are changed, work situations have improved, relationships restored because one reached out earnestly to God in prayer and seeking. And I believe Cornelius prayed for his entire household and his friends that they might be truly saved, that they would know deep in their hearts that they truly are saved. And I found a, a greater uh, hint to Cornelius's prayer. And this is jumping ahead a little because we get on Monday to Acts chapter 11. But in Acts chapter 11 was when Peter was relating his story back to the, uh, the apostles in the church at Jerusalem. Peter said this about Cornelius. This is Acts 11, verse 13 and 14. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who was called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So there's a little detail that wasn't in Acts 10, that the angel said to Cornelius, Peter's going to bring a message that you and your entire household will be saved. Uh, now it makes sense he called all his friends and his his house was probably packed. And I have no doubt Cornelius was on his knees 
praying about this idea of complete salvation. Let that be a reminder to us that we can pray for people to be saved. Any and all in our circle. Cornelius, he had friends. He had, uh, he had servants in the army and his, his under him, the hundred men. Because we know that he sent one of them. So it's his work associates, his family, his friends. He is trying to minister to them. He's praying for them. And then through all of this, Peter learns a lesson. Peter learns a lesson about everyone. Earlier I said that Peter uh, had received this word to go with the men who arrived at his house right after he had a vision. What was that vision? Peter was confused by his vision. As Peter had prayed that day, he had this vision of a great sheet. This big, large sheet comes down. It's lowered down in front of his eyes, and it's full of all kinds of animals, four-legged animals and reptiles and birds. And he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit say, kill and eat. Peter, kill and eat. And he's repulsed. No, no, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And what was the response? What did Peter hear in response? Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. There's something about this coming down in front of him. He's seeing all the Jewish uh, religious rules where you can't eat certain foods. And here now he sees all this food coming down in front of him and God saying, don't call anything impure that I have made clean. Now this happened three times. Something's getting pushed into Peter's mind and heart here. And then these men show up at Peter's house, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time to think about this vision. It says he was thinking about it. But he is going to learn a lesson. He is going to learn something beyond the obvious message in this vision that God's not keeping some restrictions on what should be eaten, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Peter's going to learn more about this. He's going to learn something different He's going to learn what it meant when he preached back on the day of Pentecost. God pours out his spirit on all people and everyone and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is going to learn about this because I don't think it's really clicked entirely in his head. Peter preached it. He had preached it on that day of Pentecost, but he needs another, another reminder of how much it really and truly means. In Acts 10, uh, verses 20 to 29, when Peter came here to this house of Cornelius, this is what he said to these people. This is, his, this is the greeting he gives them when he walks in the house. He said, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Well, there's some pretty heavy prejudice, Right? Hi, I'm not supposed to be here. I shouldn't even associate with you people. It's a kind of an interesting way to walk into someone's house. The next line, though. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Amen. Hey, amen. Do not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for 
I came without raising any objection. God gave him that vision right before those men showed up and impressed upon him. You don't know. You're you going to make some judgment against the people for the way they look or the way they sound? Go with these men. Yeah, they've got an Italian accent. Go with them. It doesn't matter what they look like, sound like, smell like. Go with them. And he went. And he's learning something. Now he links this vision to the door of the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is open to all. This is what it's about here. This is where he's going. It reminded him of this, this day of Pentecost, I've no doubt. I will pour out my spirit on all people and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no barrier. There's no barrier there. There's no achievement that needs to be attained. There is no credential. It's not anything about your bloodline. It's not anything about your genetics. Now, this is a turning point in, in Peter's life, I believe. It's a turning point in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's boldly now going to the entire world. It's not just cloistered to the Jews and, and the Samaritans who are sort of half Jews, and they were, they were okay, they all right. We, we got them in there because they kind of are connected to the Jewish faith. No, it's to everybody. He has gone now to these Gentiles, and he's admitted to them, I'm not even supposed to be here. But he makes the following admission, too. In Acts chapter 10, a little later, verses 34 and 35, Peter says, I now realize, oh, the light bulb has gone off. I have now realized how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Peter started to preach. Now he's preaching like it's the day of Pentecost, but there's a little difference here. He's totally connected to this. He's completely plugged in. He believes it all. He is there. God has impressed this upon him, gave him this vision. He's now there, and I think he's preaching with uh, more zeal than he preached on that day of Pentecost. And he's preaching uh, with an increased passion. And it's not to his Jewish brothers and sisters. He is preaching the gospel to those Gentiles who he has said, I'm not even supposed to be here. He preached to the Roman occupiers, a, a, a captain in the army who is occupying his land. Ah, he's still preaching. He's still bringing the message. He preached to the very people who hung Jesus on the cross. Roman soldiers. And what happened? God filled those people with the Holy Ghost. Peter preached it, but he had to learn it. God does not show favoritism. What were the last words? of Peter before the Holy Spirit filled Cornelius in his house. Everyone, everyone, not some people, oh, not just these people who look a certain way, not just those people who sound a particular way, everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I mean, this is, this is gospel. This is linchpin gospel. It is essential doctrine on which the, the church is built. That's the connection to the big sheet. This is, connect, this, is, this is the connection to the big sheet vision that Peter saw. This wasn't some little skimpy little napkin that Peter saw coming down from heaven. No, the word said it's a large sheet. 
The kingdom of Christ is no little scrap. It is a large sheet. It is a large sheet that is open to anyone and everyone of either gender from any nation, speaks any language, has any skin tone and skin color, hair color, eye color, any shape or size, anyone, anyone who hears the gospel and turns and calls on the name of the Lord, God will welcome that person. The true uh, unity of mankind, it doesn't consist in some common human characteristic, no. And that's our human nature to think that's the case. Oh, those people look different. I'm going to disparage them. They sound different. I'm going to discount them. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. What's common? What is common in his kingdom? It's the relation to Jesus Christ. That's it. That hearts have turned and called on him as Lord and Savior. And we still need to be reminded of the turning point that Peter experienced. We can't withhold the gospel of Christ because somebody is different from us. God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him. So let's not, let, let's, let's follow that example and not call anything impure that God has made unclean because he accepts any who call on his name. I mean, that's the prejudice problem with people like Roseanne Barr. They just, they don't, they don't get it. And they need the gospel of Christ to see, hey, he welcomes all. Why was, I, why was I against somebody for something as simple as the way they look or talk? The gospel is open to all. And it, we know in our community, in and around our church, we are brimming with all kinds of different people. We have the melting pot here in Sterling Heights. And we shouldn't withhold the gospel from someone just because maybe it's a little difficult for us to speak English to them. Or we just, we're just nervous because they look different from us. Everybody needs the gospel. And we should be willing to extend our hearts to them to share. A few years ago, I met a pastor, and I've told you this before. Uh, he's the pastor of Hope Church and his name is uh, Avdal Bokhtar. And the day that I met him, he was in Brother Barry's office and uh, Pastor Julie was in there with them and talking and it was like a magnet. I was drawn to the, what was happening in that office uh, as, as if being pulled in because the sound in there was, it, it was a happy sound. It was people talking about Jesus and the Lord. And they were looking for a place that they could have a convention. So we, we opened up the doors of Bethesda and they had a convention here. And the pictures were amazing. Uh, they had this place, the whole main floor was full, the, some of the gallery, with uh, people from in and around this community who were Arabic-speaking people. Because Pastor Avdal, his heart is to get people saved. Uh, he is Egyptian. Uh, his wife is Iraqi. And their hearts are just, we want to get people saved. That is it. I want people saved. He wants to preach the gospel. Uh, I'm going to be at his church this, in a couple of weeks on a Sunday evening. He's invited me uh, to say a few words because his church is uh, adding 
a pastor, and he's just really trying to make inroads into this community because we're full of people that don't understand English that well. If they're Arabic speaking, he wants them, and he wants to to minister to them. But he's looking for a place. He's looking for a place that he can call home for his church. He's been searching for a building for a couple years, and he's been a little bit, uh, he's just being, I think, his faith is being tested a bit. He has been having services at a church several miles from here down Shaner. Time has changed a little bit. It's the time that he can hold this service. They did some construction, and, it's, and he's reaching out and asking, could I have a service on a Sunday morning at Bethesda? And you know what? We have a lot of room here. And if we're in here praising the Lord, and there's another service going on in some other area of this, whether it's a chapel or the auditorium, and they're praising God in Arabic, I want, I want to let you know that the minister's here, we've talked, and we want to welcome him. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that if you see cars in a different part of the parking lot on a Sunday morning, and you see people that may look a little different than us, or sound a little different than us, they're here for one purpose, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to, and so this is not a done deal, but uh, I, I have a meeting this week with uh, Pastor Avdal. He had uh, a building that was potential a month and a half ago, and it fell through. So he said, I really need a place. Can we talk? So this week we'll be talking. And it, his heart is that he'd really like a home. He'd really like his own building. But if we can help him for a while, because he's been doing a great work. He does Saturday uh, night services at a church to uh, the south. He's been doing his Sunday morning services at a church to the north. Uh, I would really, really be open to helping him because the word tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone. There's so many everyone's out there. There are so many. So I want to ask you to make it a matter of prayer. Please make it a matter of prayer. I'm going to meet with, on Tuesday morning with Pastor Avdal and uh, one of his helpers, uh, Marwan. So today, tomorrow, if you remember, just pray. Pray, God, you know, Please give, uh, give wisdom to us here. And if this is meant to be, Lord, you just be in it. We just want God to be in it. And we want to be able to help if we can. You're a great, great people. And uh, we know that this is our home. But if we can use it to further the kingdom, oh, just, just pray. Let's pray right now, as a matter of fact. Let's just pray together right now before we have our communion time. Father God, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word uh, that we received from you today. That Peter, it took him a while, God, till he got to that point where he said, I now realize, I now realize, God,
God, may that realization be in all of our hearts that your word is open to everyone and there's no barrier. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would uh, be together. We would be unified, knit by the heart of Jesus. Lord, that our common bond wouldn't be blood genetics. It wouldn't be certain heights or shapes or whatever. That we're not trying to make a master race. No, we're trying to get in the kingdom and advance the kingdom of Jesus. Oh, Lord, may that be all of our hearts. And God, we just pray your holy blessing, your wisdom, your grace upon uh, our church, Bethesda, and uh, this church, Hope Church, God, that wants to give hope and light to uh, the Arabic-speaking community. God, we just pray you'd be in it all. We are on the same team. We are here for Jesus and advancing his gospel. We just pray you'd be in it all, God, as we sit down at your table this morning, Lord. May it be a community, a family, breaking bread together in unity. And we ask it and we, uh, we receive it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.